Father, we uh, come before you and we thank you for your goodness, your kindness to us, the provisions that you have supplied, whether it be a, a place to live, food to eat, warmth, all of these things, Lord, we are so blessed. For so much of the world has none of these things or a few of them. We would ask, Lord, that you would help us to be grateful for the word that you have given us, for it provides direction. It provides comfort, it provides insight and wisdom. We would ask, Lord, that you would provide that in abundance today. For your word says in James that if we ask for wisdom, you will provide it without finding fault and you will give it in abundance. So as we go through your word and we discern the times in which we are living, we pray for that wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I just saw a news report What's going on in Russia? I talked about this last week at the beginning, how things, they're just not right. They're, they're just going astray. And all these Russian troops were coming out and all these protesters are out there and the Russian soldiers, they have these shields and they're banging on them in unison. And the, the people on the other side, they're clapping and cheering at the same time. And it's like they're going to be going head to head and all because of a, a dissident a leader of the opposition that has been jailed over there. They even went to the doctor's house and they were filming. They had a film crew in there and they were inspecting the doctor's house because the doctor saved him from being poisoned by allegedly Putin and his cronies, which were out there. And so things, they're just not right, as I said last week. And it kind of uh, is obvious in this rhetorical question, has there ever been a time when the people in a nation felt that things were going wrong? and I think we're probably there, uh, that there was corruption in the government. I think we're there, that the nation was abandoning morality and ethics. I think we're there. Has a nation ever been a witness to increasing violence with the governing authorities unwilling or powerless to impose justice? Yes, I think we're there. I guess that we could say that as disciples of Jesus, We feel things are going in the wrong direction and that there is corruption not only in the government, but it is also prevalent in the private industries in our country. We could certainly conclude that we are in the midst of a breakdown of morality and ethics in our culture, and we are also aware that violence is increasing and the authorities are not doing much to curb it. Now, if you thought that I was talking about today, you would be incorrect I'm talking about during the time of Habakkuk. Now, if you have a Bible, uh, it'd be good to pull out the Bible. If you have it electronically, that would be good, because I'm going to get into that in a minute. And Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets who was a contemporary of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. He was alive in 612 B.C., and as you go backwards, uh, one year B.C., that's closer to Jesus. And as you go farther away, it is 612 B.C. Well, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And the Old Testament, just to let you know, Habakkuk is a minor prophet. And we have the law, we have the history, we have poetry, and have prophecy. That's how the Old Testament is broke down. And when I call Habakkuk a minor prophet, it doesn't mean he was minor in what he had to say. It just simply means that it's a smaller book. All the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, all of those guys have smaller books. And Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, those have larger books and they're considered the major prophets. And he lived during a time 
of injustice and idolatry, and he witnessed the rise of Babylon, the empire of Babylon. And Habakkuk was struggling in the belief that God is good even when there is so much evil and tragedy in the world. And we often ask our questions along the same line. Have you asked the question with the election and everything that's happening around the world, like, God, what is going on? There's so much evil, and why haven't you stopped it? Why haven't you interceded? This was Habakkuk's question to God. He had two complaints that we'll get to, and and that's the first one. He saw that there was uh, just a terrible environment in which they were uh, living, but he doesn't address the nation of Israel or even speak to Israel on behalf of God. He just turns to God, and there's this conversation between him and God. And the book is written in the format of a lament. Like, why? He wants to get some meaning. And he's down in spirit, so to speak. And this lament, it could also be uh, characterized as uh, mourning or wailing or weeping. And so that was his attitude as he's approaching God, asking some questions here. And he saw the tremendous amount of corruption and evil, and he inquired of God why he hadn't done anything about it, especially if he was a just and loving God. And I think that's where we find ourselves. We see that the morality in our country is just declining. If you say something on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, against any type of gender identification and it has to do with a biblical view you are cast off of one of those platforms or you will shortly be cast off of one of those platforms you are not allowed to hold to biblical truth and by the way that's the whole woke thing which is out there there is no absolute truth and we would world in a objective fashion at least that's the biblical way to do it but the woke individual looks at the world through a subjective view let me give you an example of this say and i gave this to my wife yesterday say you were a tailor and the tailor is he opens his doors and in at the same time walks somebody who's black and somebody who's white who do you wait on first you see this is already a dilemma for us because we know that the wokeness of our society is going to present a problem so if you say well i'm going to wait on the black person first because i i think i ought to do that maybe they've been downtrodden over history and all of that but the black person might say oh wait because you don't want to be alone with me in the business that you have because i might rob you once you wait on the white person and so would you say well you're going to wait on the white person first but then, no, you're giving into white privilege because of that. And the individual that comes or the individuals that come into your place, racism exists everywhere all the time and you cannot get away from it. And it's based on the subjectivity of the individual who is perceiving their world. And it doesn't matter if it's objective truth or not. It's just the way things are. And you need to feel sorry for that, and you need to capitulate to the ways of the new psychological fashion of the world. That's what you need to do. And it's full of confusion. You don't know what to do, what to say, who to talk to. There is no objective truth anymore. Everybody is just guilty, guilty of committing some type of crime, and it's based in racism. And so that's where we are. And we look at that and we say, God, what is going on? Whatever happened to objective truth which is out there? I keep on cutting out here, Daryl. Is it me or is it? 
Okay, we'll find out. <clears throat> so, anyhow, in chapters 1 and 2, he addresses uh, an issue, or this issue, and he has two complaints. He starts in chapter 1 by pointing out that the law, or the Torah, is neglected, that violence in the land is a result, and that the leaders have become corrupt. So he's walking around through the city, and he sees what's going on. The same thing could apply to us. The law is being neglected. There is violence in the land, and the leaders have become corrupt. That's exactly where we are. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it reads like this. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen or cry out to you, Violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. So that was taking place during his time. But what if we transferred it to us today in a mild fashion? A contemporary version would read, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not respond. Your servants cry out to you, aggression and brutality, and you do not save. Why do you have us look upon the injustice? Why do you allow wrong to be tolerated? Demonstrations and riots are before us. There is looting and agitators that abound. Because of this, the law and the Constitution are powerless, and evildoers are not brought to justice. The leftists hem in God-fearing and law-abiding so that the righteousness is subdued. Now, that's kind of what's going on with us. And so we are being in a, a, are traveling in a parallel fashion to what Habakkuk was going through. <clears throat> and then Habakkuk responds with another objection or complaint because he finds out that God in chapter 1 is going to do something that even if it was shown to Habakkuk, he would not believe it. But what he says he's going to do is he's going to bring Babylon. He's going to raise up the Babylonians to come and judge Israel. And the Babylonians were far worse, far more wicked than the Israelites ever thought of being. Imagine the leaders in our country, they're all corrupt. Things There's just violence everywhere. And God says, Iran to judge us. That's kind of what's going on. Iran is far more wicked than the United States. But God says, no, I'm raising them up for a purpose. And so Babylon is going to be coming to Israel and imposing the judgment of God. And Habakkuk responds with this objection. Babylon is more wicked than Israel. They defy their military, or they they deify their military might. They treat humans like beasts. uh, Habakkuk was saying, they throw their net out and they gather up people like fish is what they do. And then they take them back to Babylon and they devour other nations. They are merciless aggressors. A merciless aggressor in our recent history would be Saddam Hussein that went into Kuwait. A merciless aggressor. He was just taking it over. It would also be Putin going down to the country of Georgia, coming down in there and taking the area of Crimea. <clears throat> and so that's a merciless aggressor. Now, Habakkuk, in chapter 2, verse 1, he poses this complaint to God, and then he goes up on the ramparts, on the wall, and he stands there, and he goes, I'm going to wait for God to answer me. And so that's what he does. And this is what he says about it. Verse 1, 
I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. So God tells Habakkuk to write down what he's about to tell him. And it concerns a future time when Babylon will be used to judge the nation of Israel. And he lets Habakkuk know that he will also judge the wickedness of Babylon. He will hold them accountable for their wickedness as well, but he's still going to use them to judge the wickedness of Israel. And and so they will not escape judgment, which is to come. He reminds Habakkuk that even though the wickedness and corruption is not subsiding, there will be a time in the not-so-distant future that judgment will come not only to Israel but also to Babylon. So you get the picture of what's going on. Now, where we are, some people would say we are definitely under the judgment of God. Now, I know the Old Testament says that God does nothing without telling his prophets. We are not mentioned in Scripture. It could be a judgment. It could be a reaping and sowing. It could be God just removing his hand of protection on the United States, giving us what we want. And I'm saying what we want as a collective nation, the leaders in all the institution, institutions which are out there, both governmental and private. We can see that the country is heading in a skewed direction away from God that they're not heading towards God. There's no repentance there. There's just pride and arrogance, and there's, there's just a lot of problems. Now, here's what the Lord says in verses 2 and 3 of Habakkuk. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. In other words, that we would end up hearing about it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. In the meantime, he tells Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 4, but the righteous will live by faith. And so you see what is taking place. Babylon's going to come down, going to judge the nation of Israel where the leaders are corrupt. There's, there's fights everywhere. There's, there's all kinds of lawlessness. And he's distressed over this, that things just aren't right. But he says, as long as this is tarrying, as long as this is lingering, it hasn't come. We are to live by faith. And that's an exhortation to us. We are to live by faith, knowing that God is in control. And that's what Habakkuk learns, that God is a righteous judge. He's going to come in and judge both Israel and Babylon. But he's delaying. Now, why would he be delaying? Why doesn't he just act? Because the wickedness is just increasing. Well, before that gets answered, he goes on to say the reasons that he's going to judge places like Babylon. And eventually, it appears that most nations go the way of Babylon, where they start out with a righteous cause, and they get prideful, and then they get fat and lazy, and then they fall into... A judgment of a kind of slavery and then from slavery it's persecution and that persecution turns around to there's some type of revolution and it goes through the cycle and we are also in that cycle as a country and so God points out in Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 4 through 15 I'm not going to read all of what's going on there 
But he accuses Babylon of pride, drunkenness, arrogance, greed. Uh, they, they are so greedy. It's like the grave, he says, is never satisfied. Death is never satisfied. That's what kind of greed that they have. It's never satisfied. They mercilessly attack other nations and they extort wealth. <clears throat> now this extorting wealth, I'm going to park here for a second. What was the biggest news story this last week? GameStop. That was the biggest news story. Now, what was going on with GameStop? <clears throat> I don't want to get too complicated, and I tried to explain this to the youth. And it's relevant to us. It's relevant to where we are standing as a country right now. Do you think you have freedom in this country? Do you have the freedom to travel? Do you have the freedom to assemble? Do you have the freedom to speak? Do you have freedom to make the money you want to make? The answer to all those questions is no. You don't. But aren't we the land of the free? Well, you would think so. Who has made it unfree? The wicked and corrupt leadership both in the country and outside of the country. What happened with GameStop? <clears throat> okay, buckle your seatbelt, and I'm going to explain. If you want to buy a stock in the stock market, you purchase it. You do it online, you hold it, you think it's going to increase, good, you make money, you get a little income going on, stock dividends, it's all good. But if you're a hedge fund, you can go in and borrow a stock from somebody and you bring it to yourself. It's only borrowed, you didn't buy it. Then you sell it to somebody else. Say it's for $10. For each share, it's $10. And you sell that stock, but then you short the stock. And shorting the stock means you think it's going to go down. And if you're a big firm with billions of dollars, everybody sees that you're shorting the stock, so everybody sells, right? And so what you do is you go, okay, I'll buy it from you for less. I'll buy it from you for $5, and so when you buy it for $5, you make a profit of $5 per share because it was sold for 10 you borrowed it, and you get the extra $5 to keep for yourself is what happens. And then you give it back to the person that originally gave it to you. That's called shorting a stock. Now, there's this thing called squeeze, and that's where if the stock sells for $10 and it goes up, all of a sudden, you are not only liable for the $10, but what if it goes up to 20 to 50 to $300? You are on the hook for the $300, not just the 10 You borrowed the stock, and now it's multiplicity you owe. And what happened was the hedge fund that was doing this with the stock this and other stocks, Bed Bath & Beyond and Nokia and a few others they were doing this with, what happened was they were losing, these hedge funds were losing billions of dollars to the tune of $70 billion because some people on Reddit said, let's go after the hedge fund. Now, this is all legal. And what they told everybody is, buy, buy GameStop. And everybody bought GameStop. Now, 
Robin Hood, I don't want to get too complicated, but Robin Hood is the one who allows you to buy the stock online. And they came and said, stop, because these hedge funds are losing billions of dollars. You can't do this. This is crazy. You're going to cause them to go under, which that's what they did in the housing crisis. They did the same thing to the little guy. They just rejoiced and they are popping champagne saying, we made all kinds of money, but it ruined the individuals who were out there that lost their houses, all the foreclosures that were going on, and they rejoiced over that. And so the people on Reddit said, ah, let's do the same thing. What's fair is fair. But the SEC, they're talking about that. This commission and everybody in Congress is talking about that. And it's not fair what they did. And they shut it down. They would not allow anybody to trade the stock. And so the average person cannot compete in that kind of environment. It's controlled. So you're not allowed to make what you would like to make speculating in the stock market. And by the way, the guy who instituted all this in one day made $33 million. And you think to yourself, why did I buy some game stock? You know, GameStop. It would have been great, but that's what was going on. And so we don't, this is to illustrate, we don't have the freedom. There is corruption there. What is good for the hedge funds is not good for the private individual. We are meant to be controlled. We are meant to be kept poor, that type of thing. We're not allowed to do what those who are wealthy are able to do. And so this ties right into Habakkuk. And speaking about Babylon, and back in that time, what they would do is they would charge exorbitant interest and they would keep somebody in the poor house forever because they could never pay back what it was that they owed. And you see, this is what God is judging. He says, this is wrong. And we're doing that in this country as well. And God, I think, is probably saying this is wrong. Now, is that judgment or is that reaping and sowing? Well, I think we'll have to wait and see. So this unjust behavior has taken place. The enslavement of the people, they shed blood of the innocent. They have destroyed other lands and nations simply because they wanted to. They built their own kingdoms by unjust means, just taking it from others by force. And then they enslaved the people. And so God says, this is not right either. Then God points out that the leaders are irresponsible why they have all this wealth. They spend it on drink and they give the drink to others. So that the uh, scripture says in Habakkuk, so they can look upon their nakedness or in other words, so they can rape them is what's going on. That's what the leadership does. And then there's idolatry, the money, the sex, the military might. If you look at Nebuchadnezzar, the guy was so into himself that he built a statue of himself. Remember Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? They were told to bow down. They said, sorry, king, we're not going to do it. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to ask us again. If you're going to throw us in the furnace, throw us in the furnace. And so all of these things were taking place in Babylon. And that's why God was going to judge them. The unjust behavior, the enslavement of the people, the irresponsible leadership, and the encouragement of idolatry. Now, the leadership that is in our country right now wants to do everything to get rid of mention of God, get rid of everything that is objective truth. That scripture would talk about get rid of everything that has been traditionally moral and ethical. And Habakkuk asked God that as he is pouring out his wrath at the end in chapter 3, that he would remember one thing. Because he saw that God was going to come. And Habakkuk, he gives his prayer to God. He says, God, you're wonderful. These are all the works that you have done in chapter 3. It is a fantastic thing. But as you bring your wrath... Habakkuk asked that he would remember mercy, that he would remember the people 
that are his. And in scripture, he tells us that in the midst of judgment, in Habakkuk chapter 3 specifically, and verse 13, we are told that he will deliver his people. It says, you came out to deliver your people to save your anointed one. So the judgment was coming for a purpose down the road, and it was to save the anointed one. For some reason, God let this happen so that things would be set up for the anointed one, the Messiah, to come. This is 600 years before he comes. But God knew, because he knows everything, that if he didn't do this, it wouldn't work out the way that he had planned. So he had a plan for this, just like for us. Why is God waiting? Why is he tarrying? Why is he allowing all this corruption to take place? He has a plan. We can't see the end of the plan. The plan, the end of the plan here was 600 years later. And it's even pertaining to our time as well in the future that he would be the Messiah ruling and reigning here on earth. And that's why you go all the way back to Habakkuk and this is why Babylon comes in. But we cannot see that. There's no way that we can see that. And so if we get a little downtrodden, we go, God, why are you waiting? Why, why don't you stop this? God has a plan. And it reverts back to the just or the righteous will live by faith. And that's how we have to walk. Now, why am I going through Habakkuk and telling you all of this? Because I'm going to tell you some things, just a couple of things, that might make you disturbed a little bit. I told you for the past couple of weeks that I was going <clears> to <throat> present something to you that you may know about, you may not know about, but it is out there. It's in plain sight. It's all over the World Wide Web. Anybody can go look at it. Some of the people who have been talking about this, they've been <clears throat> accused of being conspiracy theorists, that you're just crazy or nutso. Uh, same person would <clears throat> say something <clears throat> excuse me, like that about those who would say the Bible is prophetic. And that there's going to be an Antichrist and there's going to be a mark of the beast and all of that. And there's going to be a one world economic system. And, and they may agree with some of it, but the rest of it, they'd say, you got that in the Bible? Oh, you're crazy. You're a religious zealot. You're a right wing wingnut, right? That's what you are if you hold to this. And so since we're facing a similar situation as that of Habakkuk, where there is injustice, there is the rise of wickedness, evil seems to be prospering. That which is good is being called evil. Corruption is something that is becoming more and more common. Every institution in our nation is being corrupted, even the church. It is estimated that at least one-third of the people who attended church before the coronavirus pandemic, some people are calling it, will never return. They'll not come back to church. Most churches have taken a hit in this fashion. Now they may be watching online and that's wonderful because they've been exposed to the coronavirus and that's good that they're quarantining uh, for a period of time. But remember, the survival rate for the average individual under the age of 70 is 99.998%. The COVID vaccine is not even that effective. It's somewhere between 94 and 95%. And so why, why are we going to such lengths here? Well, God has determined a judgment and how great is the persecution that we're going to be under. Now, is it a judgment? Is it a reaping and sowing? I think it just remains to be seen. Or is it just the working out of the plan of God? I'm more in that camp where God is he's setting things up for a purpose. We can't see the purpose 
but we can see a foreshadow of it because he told us what to look for. He said, this is going to be what is taking place in the end times. Matthew chapter 24, Luke chapter 21, Mark chapter 13, Ezekiel chapter 38. You can go in some of the um, places in the minor prophets. It's all prophetic. And God told us what to be aware of. Now, this persecution that we're under, and some people would say, we're not being persecuted at all. Uh, who's the guy that wrote the book, 40 Days of Purpose? What, what's his name? Rick Warren. Warren. Thank you, Rick Warren. When I was in Hawaii, I talked to somebody about writing a book, 40 Days of Purpose. But anyhow, this 40 Days of Purpose that Rick Warren uh, wrote, he came out and said, the church is not being persecuted. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what news he is reading, but remember Calvary Chapel, San Jose, $1.5 million in the fine. There was a guy back east, I forget which state it was, uh, when we had the initial lockdown. He had a drive-in church. Everybody was in their car. And I think he had a PA system of some kind, and he was walking up and down the cars with his Bible. The sheriffs, they surrounded the parking and they arrested him. They took him to jail. Uh, New York City, remember the archdiocese there sued, as well as some of the uh, Jews. They sued there to be able to meet. And I don't know about you, but we are guaranteed in our own law that we can have the right to assemble, and there's not supposed to be an infringement on the right to practice your religion. And then in a secular sense, is there persecution going on? How many restaurants will not be open after all this is done. And I've read estimates all the way from the lowest, 40% of restaurants will not reopen to 70% of restaurants will not reopen. They're going to eventually go under. And so is there persecution going on that has been imposed on a, because of a virus which is out there, which you will survive 99.998% of the time? Well, it, it would appear so. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not a scientist. I just have a tendency to read what is out there. Now, the only thing that is different between Habakkuk and us is ours is global. The persecution, the judgment which is there, it's global for us. Now, that should spark something in every disciple of Christ. Whenever we look at Scripture, when we see something that is taking place globally, we know that we are in the end times. Now, we did have world wars, and not every country in the world was affected by those. There were some that didn't get involved, smaller countries, but a lot of the world was involved, and it affected the entire world. But this one, the entire world is involved. You know, there's been a program to get a cell phone to everybody. When I've been in Cambodia, when I've been in Africa, out in literally the sticks cell phones are there and they're able to communicate uh, we were in this place Kotito which was in uh, uh, Uganda Africa and there was nothing I mean nothing the people lived in holes in the ground with sticks covering them but uh, Dustin who was with us he called back home because the cell phone was working there he could get on the system and call. This is by design to make sure everybody is 
connected. Now, if it's worldwide, what things are we looking for? If we think we're in the time of the end, what things are we looking for that are worldwide? Well, we know that the tribulation is going to be worldwide. Luke chapter 21, verse 34 through 36 says, Be careful, or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and anxieties of life, and that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth. So that's something that's completely global. And God warns us that it's coming. And specifically, he's warning the Jews that he's speaking to at that time, but it is a warning for the entire world. Also in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. So we know the time of the tribulation is for the whole world. Well, what will happen also is this gospel will go out to the entire world. We know that from Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, we, I, if we're not close, I think we're there. We are preaching the gospel in every country. It is on shortwave. It is on radio. There are missionaries going to the farthest reaches of the tropics all the way up into Russia and to Siberia and all the way down into South America and the tip of Africa and all the way up to Alexandria, Egypt. It, the gospel is pretty much everywhere. Now, are there some small people groups that it hasn't reached? Get going, missionaries. Get out there because we know that it's the end once the gospel has gone worldwide. And also, we understand that there will be a worldwide war. Now, we've had the world wars, one and two, but there's going to be another worldwide war. Revelation chapter 16, verse 14. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for a battle on the great day of God Almighty. So there's going to be an end times huge war, which is out there. Of course, we have Gog and Magog and then Armageddon, and those two things are going to constitute the world wars which are out there. And also, commerce will be conducted worldwide. Wherever you are in the world, you'll be able to conduct commerce. As I said before, in Cambodia, Vietnam, and also Africa, you could still buy things with a card. And even though I would be thousands of miles away, I could still purchase what I needed to if I had a card or cash. I could do it with cash as well. But it's a worldwide economic system that we are involved in. Revelation chapter 13, verse 16 through 17 tells us about this worldwide economic system. It talks about the Antichrist, the beast. He will also force everyone, in verse 16, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has a mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now, they are setting up this economic system where everybody can participate in, where, remember, and I've talked about this before, you can buy things on your phone. Right now, I can double tap my phone here, and I can come up with Samsung Pay. And I can pay with my phone or with my watch if I want to. And that's pretty cool. Isn't that great? Now all I have to do is transfer it to my hand. Put it on my hand and I can do that. But it's all going electronic. By the way, what, did you notice that Bitcoin 
going through the roof on this thing too. Elon Musk, he talked about it and it just shot through the roof again. And, and there's several, there's Ethereum and there's a couple others that are out there and people are gravitating towards those because there's a lot of value in those. And that's what the world wants to do is shift us over to a non-physical monetary system. We're all going to be there. I, I dare say within the next 10 years, we probably won't be carrying around cash. It could be sooner than that. There's a plan to make it sooner than that. By the way, did you uh, read that GM is no longer going to make internal combustion engine vehicles by the year 2030? How soon is that? (laughs) Buy your vehicle now. If you want that engine, put it in storage and just get it up on stilts and you can have it in the next 10 years if you like GM. I personally am a Ford man, but that's beside the point. So this idea that they're, they're going to stop that and the Green New Deal and everything that's going to be imposed here, you know, what, what about all of this stuff? Well, is there a global plan being implemented as I speak this morning to encourage and eventually bring about more of a global system? Guess what the answer is? Yes. There is. Now, I I want to repackage what I'm saying. Let me put it in the modern-day vernacular of those who are woke. Is there a plan to make things better? Is there a global solution for our problems? Can we turn the ship of humanity in a direction that will benefit everyone? Now, see, that's diplomatic speak. And if you hear that, you go, well, that sounds great. That sounds wonderful. Are you guys familiar with Davos? Have you heard of Davos? Davos is a meeting in Switzerland that took place last week, January 25th through the 29th, 2021. There's a guy that's the head of this World Economic Forum that met in Davos this last week, and they talked about the Great Reset. Now, you're going to want to remember that. You're probably going to want to write it down because you're going to want to go discover what the Great Reset is and the World Economic Forum. Everything that they're talking about, you won't believe. Just like Habakkuk wasn't going to believe what God had to say, even if he showed it to him. Well, I'm telling you, this is coming, and they're not hiding it, but the media is not reporting it. You have to kind of do some digging to find out what's going on with Davos, the meeting, January 25th through the 29th, the World Economic Forum. By the way, the head of that is Klaus Schwab, and he's been doing it for decades, and he's tried to impose a system, and some people term it as global imperial communalism. Now, that's a big set of words there, but it's this idea that globalists, bankers, and international leaders all get together and decide how the world is going to be run. Some of the names you will recognize that have gone to these meetings, Bill Clinton, Bill Gates, Tony Blair, Prince Charles, Al Gore, John Kerry, and there are more. That's just a few of them who are on there. So they want this global government and they want a global currency. What would be the global currency? It would be the crypto currency, whether it's Ethereum or it's Bitcoin or some of the others which are out there. Now, the World Economic Forum is desirous of implementing, are you ready for it? The fourth industrial revolution. You may say, well, what's that? What was the first one? The first one was the steam engine. 
We had locomotives with that. We were able to travel. We built train tracks and, and uh, depots and things like that. We moved goods and services because of that. We had boats that were powered by steam. The second one was electricity. Once you had electricity, the second industrial revolution, that electricity powered factories. I mean, it really was a time that uh, a boom came to the United States and then to the rest of the world. The third industrial revolution was internet and digital. We got our phones. This happened not too long ago, right? We got the computers. I remember working on an Atari computer and the screen was split and you didn't know what was going to print out. You had to hop from screen to screen and match up all the dots you thought were the best and do a test print to make sure it all lined up. And it it was just amazing uh, to have that. And then there was the 286 computer, and who would ever want a gigabyte of memory? This, that type of thing. And, and it, you had that computer, and you thought, oh, this is just wonderful. And if you had a video, it was this big on the screen because it took up so much bandwidth. And now look where we are. And so that was the third industrial revolution. Well, what is the fourth? And this is what the World Economic Forum is pushing Before I tell you what this is, there is a book, if you can get it. I talked about this book in church at least 20 years ago. This book by Ray Kurzweil is called Fantastic Voyage, Live Long Enough to Live Forever. And he talks about the medical field, the uh, biological field, and the nanotechnology field. And how all three of those were going to come together as one. And this is 20 years ago. And he's, this guy is an inventor and he's a futurist. And what he did was he would monitor the patents which were out there and what the technology was going towards. And he made a prediction. He said, we are going to be able to change the human cell. The human cell lasts forever like a cancer cell. Not only will we be able to do that, but we will be able to reverse the aging in the cancer cell. And so he says, if you watch it nutritionally, you take care of yourself biologically, you will be given nanites in the future to correct what is wrong inside of your body. Now, he wrote that again, I think it was 20 years ago. Not quite sure. But this fourth industrial revolution is... Melding together the technological world with the physical world and the biological world. Putting all three of those together. Some of the things you are familiar with, like 3D printing of limbs. How about a virtual world melding with the mind? You know who's been experimenting with that? The same guy who's trying to fly to Mars. The same guy who developed Tesla. He already called for volunteers to have chips put in their head to where they could interface with computers. That's the next step. By the way, there's this thing too, you might want to write this down, called hydrogel. Hydrogel, if you look it up, it's hydrogel and put in nanotech with that. Hydrogel is developed by none other than Bill Gates and it's supposed to be delivered in a vaccine. And that hydrogel will have little bits of nanotechnology in it, and it will be able to monitor your body. And your body will be able to communicate with Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. 
And your doctor will be able to tap into that and get an alert. Something's wrong. There's an elevated heart rate or the blood pressure has really dropped and we need to do something for him. And sometimes, some time in the future, it may be able to actually make corrections for your body with this hydrogel. And if you get this in a vaccine, I've already told you about this, the luciferous. Luciferous is the glowing material that's found inside a jellyfish, the bioluminescence, and they put that inside the vaccine. And with a simple app on your Apple uh, phone, you can tell if somebody has had the vaccine. So this is where we are going. This is technology which is already developed, which is out there. Or IBM Watson or Amazon Echo. Uh, hey, Siri, remember, you could do that. You could talk to Siri, and they're recording every single thing that you ever say and everything around your environment. It's listening to you. Uh, and all devices that you have in your house will communicate with each other and with the Internet. <clears throat> you know, I, I recently uh, had to get another vehicle, and uh, my other vehicle just died. It, it, Kind of like me, I'm eventually going to die. It just died. It had 300,000 miles and I had to get something else. Well, there's some cool stuff in it. I can be in the house fixing coffee and start it. I can be in the house and unlock it. And it communicates with the World Wide Web and tells everybody at Ford how my driving's going and tells me everything that's wrong or right with the car, sends me notices. Oh, you need to get this checked out. It's kind of cool. And in the future, and even right now, you can watch who's at your front door because of the Nest uh, door ringing bell that's there. You can also change the temperature in your house. We have these back at the back of the sanctuary there. You can have your refrigerator talk to you. And your refrigerator will tell you exactly what's going on, and all your appliances can be hooked up to that, and the government can monitor all of that. And so there's this idea with the biological advancements, the nanobots placed in your body communicating over Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and all of this will keep you healthy with the hydrogel and the luciferous. All of this is coming. Now, at this point, you're going, what in the world is he talking about? I came here to get the word of God. That's, he's going off the deep end. Now, look it up. You guys look it up independently. If I'm wrong, okay, I'll say I'm wrong. But this is what the World Economic Forum wants to do. They want to change everything. They want to usher in a controlled economic decline. Is that happening? It is happening. And they talk about this. This is what they want to do. They want to make sure that everybody has a stable income, a basic income that you will just get a check. Have we done this already? twice and we're going for a third shot and pretty soon they'll just decide to make it forever once that's done how are they going to do that well they're going to have to take the wealth of the individuals are our taxes going to go up yes they are remember i told you a couple of months ago that for every mile you drive they're going to tax you uh, the new uh, secretary of transportation he likes the idea it's been all over the news that they're going to start taxing us per mile that we're out there. Is that going to take away people's wealth? You betcha it is. Do you think Prop 13 will ever be overturned? Just give it some time. It'll be overturned. And there's this move worldwide to take away all wealth. Now, in order to do that, there needs to be a crisis. What is the crisis we're currently under? It's the COVID. We're under the COVID. Is it manufactured? Is it, quote-unquote, a pandemic instead of a pandemic? I don't know. I'm not that smart. 
but I do know that they're using it. I do know that. Now, the crisis, why would you create the crisis? Because a crisis instills fear in people. Fear of losing your health, losing your prosperous life, losing the future for yourself and your children, losing your future freedom, losing life, uh, the life of a loved one. You know, I actually had somebody plead with me to keep the church closed. Because if we keep the church closed, we might be able to save one life. I, I thought to myself, then why don't we stay home if we have the flu? Why don't we close down the church if we have the flu during winter? Because as I've stated before, I know that flu can be deadly. There are certain things that somebody can get that somebody else gets exposed to that would kill them instantly. Why don't we stop driving? There are more deaths from driving than there is from the covid you know, and, and that is because we have been fed this idea of fear that, and the fear is mostly we're going to die and people don't want to die. And I don't want to die, but I know there's a reward. If I do, I get a new body, but the world, they don't get a new body. They are not sure what's going on. And so this fear is instilled in the populace. Most people are not believers. And if you also instill in the people confusion, for instance, if you're asymptomatic, you're not contagious. Oh, but if you're asymptomatic, you're only asymptomatic because you're, uh, you don't have the, the COVID or you've gotten the vaccine. And when you get the vaccine, well, do you, can you still get the COVID virus? Well, yes, you can get the COVID virus, but does it make a difference? Can you be exposed to other people? Well, maybe. Or should I wear a mask? No, you should probably wear two or 16 masks and that will stop everybody from getting the COVID. And is the Pfizer vaccine better than the Moderna vaccine? And is it causing people to die? So far, over 180 people have died from the Pfizer vaccine, but are they reporting that? Well, no, they're not reporting that. And are they setting up up uh, uh, emergency intake uh, places in hospitals for those people who have an adverse reaction. Well, yes, they are. But how many people are having an adverse reaction? Well, I don't know. And what about the people who don't need to take the vaccine because they have a, a built-in immunity now because they've had the COVID? What do they have to do? Well, they're probably going to be required to take the vaccine as well. And if you take the vaccine, then you'll get a vaccine passport. And if you get the vaccine passport, will you be able to fly or not be able to fly? Well, we have to find that out. And does it have the luciferous? And can you go up there with a cell phone and see that you've had the vaccine and are you going to be thrown in jail if you don't take the vaccine well what if i want to buy something on amazon or what if i want to go to home depot or what if i want to go to a restaurant or to a theater a cinema somewhere well if i don't have the vaccine will why i be able to get in there well no eventually you will not be able to get in there and that's what they're planning that's what's up just do a search on the covid passport it's coming up now if you get something like that that means you will not be able to buy or sell unless you have the COVID passport or the vaccine. What does that remind you of? Revelation chapter 13. No one can buy or sell unless you have the mark. So how close are we? Well, this fourth industrial revolution, it is right around the corner. We think we have freedom. Do we have freedom of speech, assembly, worship, travel? What's next for us? Well, you know what they're coming after, the Second Amendment. That's next, because you can't subdue a people that is armed, and so they're going to have to take it away. Now, I talked about this with the youth, and some of the youth, well, when I turn 18, I'm thinking maybe, maybe I'll get a gun, and I asked them the question, 
would you kill a government authority that comes to your house to take your guns? Would you shoot it out to keep them from taking your guns? Would you do that? I said, you have to make this decision now before you even purchase a firearm. Or what if there was a gang that was out there because things get really bad and the gang comes to your house and they know you have food. Are you going to kill them to keep them from getting the food? Is that what you're going to do? Well, what about if an intruder comes in? Would you shoot and kill? I would if there's harm that's coming in. But the other two, I don't know. Am I going to take a life because they want my food? Am I going to take a life because they want my gun? And some people would say, it's the Second Amendment, the Constitution, the government can't. Yeah, that's true. It is. But you see the decisions we have to make on this? And how will the government present this to us? What are we supposed to do? So we have this obligation to be a good disciple of Jesus, but also a good citizen. And what is a good citizen? You know, they have us. They have us right around the neck. And I don't mean just us as believers. They have the entire world population. You will not be able to buy or sell. You're going to have to get the vaccine. Your wealth is going to be decimated over a period of time. They also have some other ideas about this, that you will own nothing, no private property, and this is their goal, by 2030. And they're actually talking about this, that you will not own your home by 2030. You will not own your car. You will only lease a car. I talked to somebody about this that uh, I, I posed the question. I said, do you think that that's coming where you will only be able to lease a car and not buy it? And he goes, oh, yeah. And the guy was a car dealer. And he said, yeah, definitely, I can see that happening in the future. And then energy will be clean and expensive. You know, you can't have the windmills and the solar farms without the coal-burning power plants as well, but we won't talk about that. Travel will be restrict- restricted diet if you get these hydrogel nanobots that communicate you will get a notice that you shouldn't be eating that your diet will be controlled currency will be digital basic universal income will be there and basic universal health care this is everything that this world economic forum wants how are they going to pay for it they're going to take the wealth of the nations in order to do that that is the plan. But if you go to their site, it, it is so flowery. Is, the world, we, is there a way we can make the world better? And oh, Is there a way we can make energy clean and efficient? And that's how they present it on their website. And so it, it looks like a wonderful idea. Now, I've already talked about the GameStop and the financial freedom that you think you have that we really don't have and... Uh, we know that taxes are going to go up. Inflation will increase, making your money worthless or essentially worthless. Energy costs will go up. The economy will slow. And the ability to make wealth will decrease because of this fourth industrial revolution. So there is so much confusion right now. Is there anyone in the world, any one leader that you can point to and say, you know, this guy can solve the problems? Now, there was one guy, he's no longer in office, that he was kind of leading the world, and it was Trump. And he was making sure everything was safe. He got us out of wars. And what happens when Biden gets in? We immediately go back into Syria. The troops are sent back out again. What is with that? You think there's a plan behind that? Did you hear, I don't know if you saw this little news blurb, but the other day when Biden was signing the record number of 
executive orders? He said, what is this I'm signing? What does that tell you? There's somebody else behind him who is shoving these executive orders to undo everything that has been done. And guess who the one guy was that was in the way of the globalists installing this fourth industrial revolution? It was Trump. Now, if Hillary had gotten in, we'd be well on our way by now. But now Biden's in. So how long do you think it will be before this is implemented? Well, this great reset that the world leaders are referring to will either give rise to a one-world governing system of the Antichrist, or it is the implementation of the one-world system that is being prepared for the Antichrist. It's either going to give rise to it, or it is. Now, I don't know which one. But if it continues on the track that it is on and you compare that track to what the Bible has to say, it's right at our doorstep. Now, with that, Revelation, of course, tells us that we cannot buy ourselves without the mark of the beast. The beast has to be here for this to be fully implemented. Now, also, uh, when it came to that COVID passport, I want to read you this. The International Air Transportation Association and Airline Trade Association that represents 290 airlines worldwide said on November 23rd that it was in the final stages of developing a digital vaccine passport for travelers. The IATA travel pass will let travelers share their vaccination status and COVID-19 test results with airlines and border authorities via a contactless passport app. So I'm, I'm not just talking. This stuff is out there. Now, I already mentioned to you as well, uh, if you don't have this passport app, Home Depot, Lowe's, Kohl's, Bed Bath & Beyond, Amazon, could all be taken out of your reach that you would not be able to participate. No online purchases would be able to be made because you'd have to put in your digital code on that. And I've talked about the hydrogel. Now, say, for instance, you get to the end, you go, okay, what am I supposed to do? All this is coming and I can't stop it, and the Lord's not stopping it, and he's allowing this to come. How do I respond? We'll come back next week. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make it come back next week. This is what we need to do. And by the way, some people will say, well, I'm just going to become a prepper. You know what a prepper is? A prepper is one who builds an underground shelter that gets his ammunition, stores all of his food, and all of his water, and just says, come get it, you know, and if you want to come get it, the government, then they're going to take anybody out that they can. If you think you can do, if you think you can store enough food and enough water and ride this thing out before the rapture happens, I think you're mistaken. Let me give you something that was written, and I talked about this several years ago. This is in 2012, March 16th, Executive Order 13603. This has to deal with the office of the president being able to take control of resources in the country. It means the resources, food resources under E. All commodities and products, simple, mixed, or compound, or complements of such commodities or products that are capable of being ingested by either human beings or animals, irrespective of other uses to which some commodities 
of products may be put. At all stages of processing from raw commodity to the product thereof in vehicle forms for humans or animal consumption. Food resources also means potable water, packages in commercial marketable containers, all starches, sugars, vegetables, and animals, or marine fats and oils, seed, cotton, hemp, and uh, flax fiber, but does not mean any such material after it loses its identity as an agricultural commodity or agricultural product. What are they saying there? You grow anything, you have anything in your house, the government can come take it. That's what they're saying. That's executive order, again, 13603, March 16th, 2012. And so you, you think you're going to escape? We're not. We're not going to escape. So what do we do? Go back to Habakkuk. The righteous the just will live by faith. We step back and we go, God, you are great. You have done all these fantastic things. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be subdued by the world that's here. And if you want me to take the vaccine, I don't know that I'm going to take the vaccine because there seems to be some problems with that. And I didn't even get into all the problems with the vaccines which are out there and the variants of the COVID-19. And so all we can do is pray. We can pray and we can tell others. If we're not telling others, what did Revelation, or excuse me, Matthew say would happen to us? A revelation. That we'd be taken off guard. It would hit us blindsided. It's going to hit some people blindsided like they never thought it was going to happen. There are going to be people that are in line right now with the current system the way it is that are going to say, well, I never thought it would turn into this. <laughs> Welcome to the world of Satan. Satan is the Lord of this world. And he's mad, and he's going to take out everybody, and he's going to implement what he thinks is his plan. But God's going to come, just like he was going to use Babylon to come in. God is going to bring in his forces, and he's going to stop all this. Now, how much time do we have? I don't know. Could be a year. Could be four years. I don't know. And the Great Reset? I think the Great Reset is just the symptom of what is going to be, or the talk about it, is the symptom of what's going to be the system for the Antichrist to come in. So how close are we? I, I, I don't know how close we are, but we are to be ready. We're to look up for our redemption draws nigh. Now the final thing I'm going to tell you with 30 seconds left. If you don't know Christ, it's bad news. You don't go in the rapture. You're here. You get the mark of the beast. Once you get the mark of the beast, you're done for. If you don't take the mark of the beast... You're going to be beheaded. If you don't have Christ and you get beheaded, it's all for nothing. You still are judged. We need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead because then we will be saved. We will belong to Christ and Christ promises just like in Habakkuk to come and redeem those who are his even though they suffer. And we don't know why we're suffering or why we're going to be persecuted if it's going to get worse or if it's going to get better, God could intervene and stop all of this. We don't know. But we do know that it's going to come to an end. And I think we're closer than we have ever been. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I would also pray for churches that do not teach prophecy. We know that your word is at least 25 to 30% prophecy. And I pray for those who don't teach it that they would... Get insight to what your spirit is saying to the body of Christ, that we would resist the evil which is out there. We would plan our futures by submitting to Jesus, our Lord, Savior, and Messiah. But we would also 
go and tell the world what is approaching. And Father, if we feel like we may be misunderstood or called radicals or wing nuts, I pray that you would give us strength on the inside, knowing that we are doing your will. So Father, we pray for boldness. We pray for wisdom. We pray for a heart that is yours, that we might not only ourselves be aware, but make others aware also. In Jesus' name, amen.